Good morning, everybody. Great to see you. Okay, we're awake this morning. Great. Uh, you can go ahead and, if you have your Bible or your phone or your tablet or whatever, you can find Mark chapter 9. Uh, we're going to continue in our series, The Gospel According to Mark, looking at the life and, and words and ministry of, of Jesus while he was on earth. And uh, I'm just going to uh, give you guys a heads up. A lot of you guys are type A and like to know where we're headed. And so if that's you, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a different uh, sermon time. Okay, so it's going to be a shortened sermon. I'm, I'm going to go a little shorter. And all God's people said, amen. And then uh, we're going to, but we're going to have a time of, of prayer, two different times of prayer uh, during the service. Okay, and so we're going to be hearing from folks other than just me. Uh, some of our elders are going to be coming up and uh, we're going to be, uh, be praying during it because... Um, this is a great, you'll see why in a minute, I'm sure as I, as I read the passage, why it's a good Sunday to do that. So if you're new here, maybe you're visiting for the first time or you've been uh, coming for a few Sundays and, and you're still new here, uh, this will be a great chance to kind of see a little bit behind the, the curtain. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, kind of the, the vision and, and future of where we, we believe God has uh, taken us as a church. And then uh, you're going to get a chance to meet some folks and, and pray um, if you are uh, here today and you are not a believer, you're just not sure about this whole Jesus thing or church thing, let me just say welcome. We're super glad that you're here. Uh, you do not need to believe to belong. And so we're glad you're here and you're going to get to see. This is like as weird as we get. Okay, so, so if you're new or you're, like I said, not sure about this whole church thing, uh, you're going to get to, like I said, about, about as weird as we get. And so, But we'd love for you to jump in. And if you're not sure about like I said, you know, following Jesus or the church thing or even being here this morning, uh, let me just encourage you uh, and just let me just say to you that God wants to be present and active in your life. And so let me just encourage you, even if you're not sure, uh, just to try prayer out today, just, just with us as a, as a group of people. And uh, that's, all we're, that's all I'm going to ask from you. Okay, so, so if you're in Mark 9, and, and you're ready to follow along, we're going to be going through verses uh, 14 through 29. I'm going to read it, and then, and then we'll jump into my, uh, my short sermon that we'll hear, hear from some folks. So in Mark 9, verse 14, it says, When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing about with them? He asked them. And a, and a man of the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground and he foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus said, You unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has it been like this? From childhood, he answered. It's often thrown him into fire or water to try to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe Help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. He said, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, it convulsed him violently, and it came out. 
the boy looked so much like a corpse that they said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. So if you've been following along in this series, or you were here last week, or if you weren't here last week, uh, last week we saw Jesus take a few of the disciples. He went up on a tall mountain, on a high mountain, and he was uh, transfigured before them. So, so a handful of the disciples, three of them got to see Jesus in his full glory. Okay, They got to see him, Elijah, Moses, and Moses showed up, and there was this incredible moment where they kind of got to see why the earth was created. Like, like, we ask the question a lot, like, why were humans created? Like, we all go through almost always, right? Like, these existential crisis moments of why am I here? Why was I put here? What am I supposed to be doing? We ask the question why a lot about humans, but have you ever asked the question, why was the earth created? We love to argue about how it was created, Right? Like, was it literally seven days? Was it not seven days? Was it six, you know, or six days? You know, you know like, we love to talk about how. Like, we're really good at arguing about how, but, but have you ever been in a, in, a, in a hot debate with someone who thinks differently than you about why the earth was created? Okay, the Bible tells us, okay, the earth, maybe not explicitly, but the way it was created, the way we're, it's said that God created, and, and what Jesus reminded us of last week is that the earth was created to be God's temple. That was why, why it was created. Because if you think about the Garden of Eden, he, he got like a temple. So if you think about a temple, just like all across, you know, languages, cultures, religions, ethnicities, all over the world, temples have always been there to represent that place where heaven and earth meet. Okay, it's, the, it's that place where you can go, people feel like they go and they, they speak to the divine or they hear from their gods or whatever. Uh, that's why temples have always existed. So God created a temple, right? Because he created, he created the whole earth, the heavens and the earth. He, and then he took uh, one little spot on top of a high mountain, the Garden of Eden. And that was where he created his priests, right? Adam and Eve, because priests are there to, to commune with God and to stand on behalf of the people for the gods and then take a message from the God to the people, so he created it because Adam and Eve, what, what, what was their like, job to do, right? God had said that he, he walked with them, he talked with them, he communed, right? So if, if you even just take like the, the, the images that the words are giving you in Genesis in the creation story, it talks about God walking with them, so it would be like his feet would be on the earth, right? But he dwelt in the heavens, but he'd be on the earth, he would talk and commune and be with them. And then Adam and Eve's job was to take what they saw, saw God do in the garden and do it to the entire world. See, the job of, of those of us who know God, who have experienced his goodness, it's our job to take heaven and bring it to earth. That's what Jesus was doing last week, and then he comes off the mountain, because here's the thing, like, if that's true, right? Like, it's like, okay, I get it. If, if the earth was made to be God's temple, why is it so messed up? Right? That's kind of the logical question if you're, if you're going through this. Why is it so messed up? And it's because we, as the people of God, we live in an in-between time. Right? Like maybe you've heard it phrased, in the already but the not yet. Because we, we know what Jesus has done. Right? We're reading these words 2,000 years later. Most of us know how the Gospel of Mark ends. Yeah? Like no spoilers there. 
right? Like we know, we know what happens, that Jesus dies. He's, he's brutally beaten and crucified, but then he raises from the dead and he appears to all these people. So Jesus did that. He bridged that gap. And then all of us who believe in Jesus, we are now, Paul says that we are the temple of God, right? God's spirit dwells in us. And now we, being on earth as the people of God, we're, we're part of that already, but not yet. Like we are people of the in-between and we feel that, right? Like we feel like what it's like to have moments of worship or prayer or we experience things and we can attribute it to the glory of God and we feel his presence and his power and his goodness, but then we know that life happens, right? And it's not always fun, you know? Like, like bad stuff does still happen. And so we've, we know that, that there's good that's already happened, that Jesus has bridged that gap of heaven and earth. He brought it down. He even taught his disciples to pray like this, you know, your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But, and we know that one day Jesus is going to come back and finally and fully make all wrong things right and totally renew the earth and we'll live on the, the completed new creation. But until then, we have stories like what we read about today. And, and, and we have stories in our own lives where there are things that, that we come to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, man, if you could do this, it would be great. Like, I really need you to show up in this right now. Or we have times that say, Jesus, I've been trying my best to make this happen, or there's this thing in my life that has to change. I've been doing my best for it to change, but it just won't. It won't go away. I can't get it to leave. Because we live, we are the people, God's people are the people of the in-between. And so, Two, word, two phrases we're going to focus on today as we go into a time of prayer in a little bit that I think we all probably relate to. Maybe you, know, you find yourself underlining it or you've underlined it before, but I even heard kind of a few audible, you know, those like nice, quiet Baptist mms, you know? Not full amens, maybe one day, all right, but not today. The two things we want to focus on, the phrases that, that, that uh, I want to call you into in time of prayer is in verse 24 where it says, I believe... Help me overcome my unbelief. Or your translations say, I believe, help my unbelief. And this kind can only come by prayer. Because those are the things that we need to hold on to as God's people. You see, when we believe, the word, the word belief there, it's the same word used for faith or trust often out throughout the, the New Testament in the Greek. Um, and, and see, the, our faith Faith in Jesus, faith in what he has done and what he is doing and what he will do is how we experience his presence in our life. Faith is that way that we come to become a new creation that we are get, however you, you grew up, you heard it phrased, you know, we get, the way we get saved, the way we get reborn, the way, you know, however you had that language used when you grew up, but faith is the way that we come to Jesus. Fred, uh, in his sermons, when he's preaching, our lead pastor, he'll say, have you said yes to Jesus? Meaning, have you placed your faith in him as your Lord and as your Savior. Faith is that thing that it's the way that we, as the people of God, personally, we get restored back to our original design. It's the way that we get to commune with God and be in a right standing with God like Adam and Eve were before sin entered the world. It's by faith that we get to see all things made new. It's the way that we, individually and as God's people, become his temple on earth. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 4 and 5. He said, while we are still 
in this tent, okay, meaning our, our, our earthly, fleshly bodies. While we are still in this tent, we groan because being burdened, not that we would hope to be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. See, when we place our faith in Jesus, we trust that he is worthy to be praised because of his life, death, and his resurrection from the dead. And we start to understand that he like really actually can make all things right, all wrong things right. He's the one who comes and redeems all of creation, like Paul says in Romans, to make this earth a place that is totally swallowed up by life. And see, when we pray these prayers to Jesus, when we say, I, Jesus, I believe, like I believe in you, like maybe we feel like there's something in your life that's like the, the boy's father where you're coming to Jesus and say, hey Jesus, if you could do this, if you can, like, like you have full faith in Jesus as, as who he is, but there are things in your life that you're just not sure if he's willing to change something in your life. That's when we come and we pray, I believe and help overcome my unbelief. It's these times where we start to understand that he can actually in our life swallow up what is wrong. Paul said in, the, in those terms I read in, in 2 Corinthians 5, the way he says like what is mortal, swallow up what is mortal with life. See the life that Jesus, there's a few different ways that he describes the life that he came to bring. It said that he came to bring eternal life, whole life, everlasting life, a full life, an abundant life. One commentator put it like this, he said, through faith, the believer shares in the sovereign rule of God and therefore either actively or passively experiences miraculous power. Okay, so, so as, we, as we as the people of God are praying and asking, help, I believe in you, Jesus, help my unbelief, or we're saying, Jesus, there's something in my life that's only gonna happen if you do something. Like this is only gonna change by prayer. So if you think about it this way, for those of us who, who, like, who like word pictures, faith, faith is the house that Jesus builds and fills it in our lives with the love, power, and presence. Faith is that house. When we place our faith in Jesus, he builds in our lives a house full of his love, of his goodness, of his presence, of his power. And so when the, and the boy's father cries out, he says, hey, I have faith, but help my unfaith. We're caught in the in-between and we're caught when we, when we are saying and, and thinking those things. We know what Jesus is capable of, but sometimes it's just hard to believe either that he can do it or that he's actually interested in our lives. So we're like, Jesus, I don't want to bother you with this. This just seems like a really small thing. But at the end of the day, we come to Jesus with faith, but we're not sure if he wants to change anything. Like, we believe that maybe Jesus wants our marriage to be healed but we're unsure if it can actually happen. We want forgiveness and restoration to happen in our friendships, but we're not sure if the other person will come around. We want to see our kids grow up to love Jesus forever, but we're just not sure where they stand with him. We're, we're caught wanting things, but we're not sure if Jesus is, is willing or capable or active. And so... What do we do when we're caught in those times saying, Jesus, if you can, like the boy's father, do this? What we do, we ask Jesus to help us overcome our unbelief, our unfaith. Or when we just 
find it hard to believe. So that first, that first verse, help me overcome my, my unbelief or my unfaith, however you need to phrase it, that connects with you. And if the second, the second line we're kind of focusing on, this kind can only come about by prayer. See, if faith is that house that Jesus builds for us to give us access and we live in the love, presence, and power of God, then prayer is the light that turns on inside the house so that we get to fully experience it and know it. See, prayer is what allows us to actively, thinking back on the, on the, the quote from that commentator, prayer is what allows us to actively share in the rule of God. See, prayer is temple language. That's what people do, do in temples, right? They go to pray. Maybe you've seen pictures or videos or you've experienced different temples in other countries or religions or around here where they, you know, they light candles or incense or something. And it visually shows the prayers going up to heaven. See, it's why Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when Jesus says this kind can only come out by prayer, he's saying that there are some evils and hurts in this life that can only be cast out by abiding in him by living in that house that he's built for us of faith. There are some things in our lives that we want to leave, but they haven't left yet because we haven't replaced them with his presence and his life in our lives. Right? Jesus even warned about this. Like, like he said, hey, yeah, if you, if you cast out, go clean the house, make it nice and tidy, but if you don't fill it with anything, seven more demons are gonna come back to it. See, when you're thinking about maybe as, as you know, talking about this kind can only leave by prayer and fasting or by prayer, we think, man, like there's a temptation, there's a sin, there's something that keeps coming that I just can't quite shake. And if you look at your prayer life, you pray more about that thing than you do about Jesus filling your life. See, repentance is great because it, 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 it leads us to admit that we're wrong. And, and, and the Bible says if we, if, you know, if we confess our sins, Jesus is, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And like, you know, maybe you grew up in a little more charismatic or Pentecostal background where, you know, there's deliverance ministries and you've seen, you know, exorcisms happen, casting out demons, that's great. But if you're not filling those spaces with the life of Jesus, with the presence of Jesus in your life, you're just making a tie to your house for more to come back in. And there's some of us today who, who if you check your prayer life, the things that you want to change have become such an idol that when you pray, you're, 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 you're putting your, your mind and your heart more on those things than you are on the goodness and presence of God in your life. See, when we say yes to Jesus and we devote ourselves to faith in Jesus and to a life of prayer, which you know, Jesus also said, a life of abiding, a life of presence, however you want to say, define prayer in your life, what we do is when we place our faith in Jesus and we allow Jesus to build that house where we can be in his life and power and presence and then prayer is where we get to turn on the light so that we get to see it in its fullness what we're saying is we're allowing Jesus to go room by room and clean out all of those things we have to be and replace himself with all the things in our lives so for some of us when we say Jesus this kind can only come out by prayer he's saying that's true because the only way he Jesus the difference in Jesus and the disciples being able to cast out that demon is that Jesus was fully em, em, empowered and embodied by the presence of God because he was God. And so as disciples of Jesus, 
It's our job to live a life of prayer so that we're fully empowered and, and, and indwelt at all times, fully by the, by the goodness and presence of God. When we divide our, devote ourselves to a life of prayer, we devote ourselves to allowing God to go room by room through our lives and filling it with himself. So, th- so there's a story uh, from the Desert Fathers. The Desert Fathers probably one of the most like, like untapped resources of the Christian life. Like, like we like basically like once the Reformation hits, we're like good with all that stuff and like the first 300 years, but like that stuff in between we don't get to. But the Desert Fathers was a movement which we now know, you know, is like monasteries and monks and stuff like that. But it was a movement uh, in about the, the four and five hundreds uh, after Jesus had come and went back to heaven. And uh, so what had happened, kind of like a brief timeline of Christian history, is that Christians were persecuted. Uh, Christians were, were, became a threat. They became so powerful through their love and sacrifice and message of Jesus of Nazareth uh, that they became a threat to the Roman Empire. And so uh, the Roman Empire was, was actively you know, seeking, pursue, you know, persecuting, killing Christians. And then Constantine, Emperor Constantine, uh, had a vision, gave his life to Christ, and, and made uh, the Roman Empire an official Christian nation. And so it switched because at that point, uh, it then became like a way to gain like social status and power if you said you were a Christian. So it totally flip-flopped. Well, the Desert Fathers were people who saw the corruption in the church, who said, well, by, affili- by, by like inter- intertwining your faith and your politics or your faith and your nationalism, um, it actually hinders being a Christian because then, you, you know, it turns into I scratch your back, you scratch mine situation. So the Desert Fathers were, were a group of priests and, and uh, priestesses, and, and they went out into the desert, and they said, we're just going to devote our lives fully to being in the presence of God. So, like, it's crazy stuff. Like, like, they were writing notes to each other, like, man, yeah, there's a group of people who have come out to learn from me, and, like, they're wicked people. They only fast three times a week. Like, they only fast three days a week. Like, they're just terrible sinners. Like, so, I mean, it's nuts. Like, the stuff they wrote about, like, spiritual warfare was just, like, crazy. You know, like, um, crazy stuff. But anyways, so here's a story. Here's a story from that. Okay, so here's a story. Um... Uh, Abbot Lot, so Abbot's what they would call folks who, who live in the monastery. Abbot Lot went to see Abbot Joseph and said, Father, according as I'm able, I keep my little rule and I, and I have my little fast and my prayers and my meditation, my contemplative silence. And according to all that I'm able, I strive to cleanse my heart of all bad thoughts. What more am I to do? And the elder, he stood up and he stretched his hand to heaven and his fingers became like lamps of fire. And he said, why not become all flame? See, there's those of us who like maybe, like as we heard the first guy where he's like, hey, like my, my prayer, my fasting, my quiet time, like I'm doing that. Some of us are like, that's goals for me right now. You know, like I got two kids that don't sleep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like I can't fast because I have goldfish thrown into my mouth four times a day, right? Like, like, that's goals. So this is not to shame anybody. But when Jesus talks about this kind can only come out by prayer, it's the difference of just trying to check a box and trying to live a life that's all flame, totally consumed by the presence of God in your life. So as we think about these two verses, we're going to practice those, praying those two verses together. And so we're going to do that in, uh, in, in two different ways. And so let me just say... Um, 
If you're, if you're in here and you're like, hey, I'm, like, I'm not comfortable praying with other people because in a little bit, just fair warning, just go ahead and stress everyone out. We are gonna get into groups and pray together in a little bit, okay? Not for a while, so just deep breaths, everyone. Um, but let me just say, if you're, if you're not comfortable praying, um, let me encourage you just to try it. Just to try it. Even if it's just out loud saying with other believers and followers of Jesus, Jesus, help my unbelief. And that's something you need to say, do it. If you're a student in here, if you're middle school and high school, there's a, there's a very high chance most of the disciples were teenagers. So let me just say, our church needs you to pray out loud with them, okay? You're not the church of 10 years from now, you're the church of today, okay? So, so don't, don't be too scared to pray. But, and then we're also gonna have a time at the end where, where if there's something that you feel like you need prayer, in, in James it says, um, you know, to go to the elders of the church, let them ha- lay hands on you. Our elders and the, de- and the deacons of our prayer ministry will be available to, around the room uh, to, to pray with you. Uh, they'll be standing with their backs against the wall somewhere. And so feel free to go, to go pray with someone. Um, but but there's, we're going to have two times of prayer uh, here. We're going to have times where we're going to pray uh, as a church uh, for our church. And then there's a time where we're going to pray as family for our members. So the first time of prayer, when I say as a church for our church, uh, we are, we are a elder, an elder-led church, which means we have a team of, of elders um, who provide leadership for our church for a few different things. Uh, one thing they do is they provide direction for our church. And so as a team, uh, they pray and uh, ask God, God, what, what do you have for us? What are you doing for us as a, as a church, as an organization? And so a few years ago, uh, our elders and, and some of our other leadership uh, put together a document. We have it up here if you're a paper person and want to grab one later and stick it in your Bible. But it's called the Present Future Document. So it's kind of a vision statement, but it's, uh, it's put in present tense. But it's things we hope when we feel like God is calling us to as a church. You can also find it on our website under uh, our beliefs. You can see it's called the Present Future. There's a PDF you can download if you want to see it. Um, and it's just different areas of the church that, like I said, we believe God is calling us to as a church, and our elder, our elder board has put that. And so there are some things on this document that as a church family, uh, like there, there are things where like we, we like believe, and they're like good things to hope for, uh, but we're, you know, it's like, man, like, like, like could that really actually happen? And that's a great chance for us as a church to pray, like help our unbelief, Jesus. And then there are other things on this document that like we can like be good stewards and strategic plan and like do all our stuff. But like there are some things that are only going to come about by prayer, by asking God to come in his his power and presence to work in our church and do them. And so uh, we're going to have two of our elders come up. Jared uh, Buckner, the chair of our elders, is going to come up and give us some updates on these on a few of these things that are that are really cool that we just thought as a church would be good to know that Jesus is doing stuff here and working. And then uh, we're going to have Matt King one of our uh, other elders come up and, and say like, hey, we, you know, as, as some leadership, these are things we feel like God may be doing in the more immediate future and kind of put on our hearts. So we just wanted to get that in front of everybody to pray as a church um, for what we're doing. And then I'll come back up and lead us through a time of um, individual prayer. So, Hey, thanks, Matt. Um, good morning, fellowship. Uh, just uh, as Matt had said, this document is on our website. If you haven't seen it, it would be a good thing to jump on there and just kind of see what we're all about, especially if you're newer, you haven't been here that long. But 
What I'm going to do today is, is read through kind of what we consider our dream and then talk about the mission statement and the vision statement of our church. And then uh, there's several bullets on here that talks about kind of what Matt was saying, things that we hope for. Uh, and, and, and then there's five of these bullets that I'm going to go over and kind of give you an update. It's going to be an update, but it's also a praise offering for what we're seeing happening in our church and throughout our community. So uh, first off, I want to read our dream uh, as Fellowship Asheville. We are a place of hope, healing, and inspiration for the Oakley community, the city of Asheville, Western North Carolina, and for those who join us from wherever they live. Our mission statement, we are disciple-making disciples. And then lastly, our vision statement, we are a gospel-centered community creating environments where life change is possible. And so there's several bullet points here, but I want to kind of hone in on just a few here. Um, number one, we want to talk about our facilities. So our bullet point here that's under this statement is, our facilities are used by like-minded organizations who serve the cities more than they are used by our members. Our buildings have a constant buzz of people coming and going through its doors. And so right now, I was talking with Amy this morning, who was responsible for this, and right now, outside of fellowship, we have four days that are filled up through, our, through different people in our community and different groups in our community. So they come in, and it's a lot of different organizations, and what a blessing that is. We get to be a place to where people can gather uh, and, and deal with whatever groups that that they have, and, and we're blessed by that. I see that as a praise offering and one of the things that we wanted to do. Uh, number two, I want to talk a little bit about our mothers. So our, our mothers nurture and train their children because we support and disciple them. Every new mother has an older and experienced woman who prays for, cares for, and supports her. So I'm glad they said experienced. We don't want to say older. We want to say experienced. So we have a lot of experienced mothers, and I know uh, there's quite a few. I see uh, Trish back there, but we have something called Mentoring Moms. I think it's every Thursday, is that right? Or one Thursday a month? One Thursday a month they come, and we have some more experienced mothers come. And for those younger mothers that, man, just worn out, struggling, not, sh not sure if what they see in front of them or, or, or that's going on is right or what am I doing, these experienced mothers come alongside them, pray for them, and just kind of mentor them and say, hey, it is going to be okay. Even if you drop your kid on their head like we did ours, uh, their oldest. Um, she's still here. She's at Montreat now. It's fantastic. Um, so that was, that was fun, among other stories. See me after service. I can give you some great ones. Um, number three, we want to talk about our kids. Our kids at Fellowship love Jesus. They are learning what a vibrant, life-giving relationship with God looks like. They love coming to and being the church. So one of the things I was talking to Matt about this morning, and he was giving me some updates, was, you know, we have transition from Fellowship Kids to FSM, Fellowship Student Ministry. And typically in the past, there's been quite of a, a, an attrition from fifth to sixth grade where we lose kids or they're not there or for whatever reason. But almost 100% of those kids transitioning from fellowship kids to FSM came last, last Sunday, right? And what a, what a blessing that is that we see the young people in our church transitioning from kids 
to FSM, and we're thankful for that. What a blessing that is. Um, and then uh, number four, um, our middle school and high school students know many adults by name. They know these adults love them because they serve with them, pray with them, and are mentored by them. One of the things I'm excited about, you saw Levi and Zoe this morning, over 12 middle school and high school students are serving on Sundays. So if you come here at all with frequency, you'll see them, whether they're downstairs helping out, whether they're greeting here, what exciting things that are for, for fellowship to see these kids grow up and be a part of the church and the community. And lastly, our church gives away more money than we keep. Our people are good stewards with our money. We do not have irresponsible debt. So the update here is this year, we will be close or be able to give 20% of our money away, which is awesome. That's kind of our goal. And what's so astounding about that, we're doing that, and we don't carry any debt as a church. So this building here, everything you see is debt-free. So we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus financially by giving away 20% uh, this year, which is exciting for, for the elders. We love that. And for uh, the staff here, they've done a great job of stewarding um, the monies that you guys have given. So what a praise offering for these five things uh, that have uh, been highlighted today. So I'm going to ask Matt to come up, Matt King, and he's going to take us through the next steps here at their service. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jared. Uh, what we'd like to do now is invite you into a time of prayer, and we'd like to pray over three specific areas of the vision statement. And these are areas that we'd like to see continued growth and change within our uh, church and community. So if you would, uh, go ahead and pray with me, and uh, we'll start starting. Father, we thank you that we can come together as a body of believers, and Father, we pray that uh, as believers that we allow the gospel to find how we see ourselves and the world around us, and that we engage the unsaved in a way to draw them to a relationship with Jesus and teach them how to live out their new faith. Lord, we also pray that our community and our city is a uh, more beautiful and safe place due to the influence of our church, our service, and our testimony to the community, and that our people make a difference in the communities in which they live in. Lord, we also pray that... Uh, Children who have been abused or neglected will experience love and justice in their lives. Fewer children are growing hungry. More children are in the foster care system and find safe homes. And more teenagers graduate high school because of our presence in the local schools and organizations. Lord, we just pray that you would guide us and direct us and enable to us to fulfill these things and to fulfill your commission. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.